Hey there, Misketeers! Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. Who are you? I'm Tari J. I love it. There was such energy there, and you were so like there was such a new like a, an interesting spin, and then I feel like you just you got so you got like stuck on the flypaper. Nah. You're like it's so sweet and sticky, and I want to coat my body in it, and then you're like, oh, I can't. I'm stuck here. They already know who I am. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, now I'm barely sure. Like, you made me doubt. That's what I do, baby. I thought I, thought I was Lex Michael, but but who 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 knows? Really, maybe maybe you're Lex Michael. Maybe you, listener, I'm, I'm sorry to... Maybe, maybe you're Lex Michael. That's true. Maybe it's your burden to carry. Ooh. Carry it well. So, Tari, what are you into this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this week... In addition to being into Martin Luther King Day, which is today, and having a dream, and the civil rights movement, and the advancement of colored people, um, one could say the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. One one could. One could say that. Yes. Um, so in addition to all of those things, <laughs> uh, I... Over the weekend, marathoned all of the Dragon Prince. This is a Netflix series that was created by one of the creators of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and it has a, it's very fantasy heavy. Um, it has uh, a lot of hard magic rules. Uh, even the main character is voiced by the character by the voice actor who did Sokka in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. So lots of ties there. Um, but it is really well done. The storytelling is great. It has a nice humor about it. Um, I will say that like, if you decide to watch it, um, the first season, I don't remember if it was a budgetary thing or a stylistic choice. Um, but the frame rate of the animation is, um, it's not perfectly 20 24 frames okay and so it, there are moments when it looks like it, it it feels like you are kind of flipping through kind of a picture book and right. that like the the movements go from one to the next um so it takes a little bit to get used to but once you're done with the first season they um they heard everyone's cries and uh decided to go back to a more classic 24 frames per second and so the animation smooths out they were probably like we tried to give you guys some style and you fuckers can't appreciate it uh and i get that um but i also am glad you changed your mind uh so uh that's my one thing okay that uh if you watch it which i did i tried to watch it when it first came out like two years ago and uh, i was like I can't do this animation. I can't. I just can't do it. And then uh, all of my friends kept being like, "Just get over it and watch the watch the show. You You're gonna love it." Coward. Yeah, basically, <laughs> they were like, "Oh, you don't want that D and D goodness." And I was like, "I do, but I can't." But I did. I watched. Uh, basically, I was over it by the second or third episode, um, and. Uh, I was able to just dive into the story. It has very complex characters, very um, nuanced character interactions, I would say. Like, there's only one 
almost definitively like bad guy, but like the way that he kind of, the way that he, that he's only bad because of the way he goes about doing things. Like he has a, a just cause, which is he feels like everything he's doing is to protect the human race, but all of his methodology is bad and he's manipulative and he's kind of bad, but that's what makes him bad. Okay. Um, but he's the only like a hundred percent villainous character. Um, everyone else is a lot more nuanced. I, I think also the show is really good about representation. Um, there is LGBTQ representation. There is deaf representation. Um, there, are, like, even though it's a fantasy setting, there are people of color, which I also like. So it's it's great. Um, I think the only thing that if if I'm gonna forewarn you guys because this only bothers me. Um, I talked everyone I talk to has no problem with it, but it it bothers me. Okay. Um, I can tell that the writers love memes. And so sometimes they will integrate um, like meme-esque dialogue into the, like it, it fits what they're talking about, but right. like. But like you can feel that, oh, this is here so someone can screen grab it and throw it on Twitter. Kinda, I mean, they like make specific. So um, there's a, a sword fight in the first episode and uh, the main character goes for the guy's legs and he goes, what are you doing? And he's like, sweep the leg. And I was like, no, that's a reference. And then later, um, one of the characters invents basically coffee. Uh, she's like, I, you know, it's like a, a brown morning liquid that I drink to kind of keep me peppy. And then later she's like, um, don't talk to me until I've had my morning uh, brown brew beverage. And I'm like, stop it. Is I hate a, this. Is that a meme? Is that a reference? Don't is, is sweep don't, the leg a reference? Sweep, I feel like yes, yeah, sweep the leg, Johnny from uh, Karate Kid. Okay, and I didn't. Don't realize... talk to me until I've had my coffee. Okay, that okay, that one I knew. I didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have placed the Karate Kid one, but okay, I know the reference. I didn't realize that was a big meme. Everyone fucking loves it. Everyone's like, sweep the leg, Johnny. I feel That's like the first thing people think of like, why are you when they think of that Karate Kid. You're like, all right. Tell me about Karate Kid. And they're like, oh, sweet. Sweep the leg, Johnny. <laughs> and um, crane kick. And you're like, hell yeah. Oh, I guess also wax on, wax off. Yeah, right. That's the one that I would think would be more would be more the meme. It's but you're wrong. Like, it's, well, it's moments like this where I realize like, I'm a fairly online person. Yeah. But I feel like you're a bit more of an online. Like, you're the person I come to when I'm like, what, what is, Tari, what is this meme? Right. Can you explain this to me? Can you explain the the butterfly like is this x you know like can yeah you explain? and you it's one of my and favorites you, and you did yeah. um but but yeah i i when when i talk to you about online stuff i come up fairly quickly against the limits of my own knowledge <laughs> which is very humbling i mean it it should also just make you feel good that you're not on the internet all hours of the day um because like some of these are fucking deep cuts there's a moment where um they're like going across a barrier and she's like saying and one of the characters is saying stuff and she goes so anyway here's the wonder wall um because it's a it's a barrier it's a big barrier um at which is a reference to the fucking so anyway here's wonder wall meme um which like was very popular in like the early 2000s and was like memed a bunch then like it's it's an old meme um but like it's there it's and and if you get it you get it and if you don't you're like all right cool um, and it takes me out of it cause it's a fantasy show and I am so ingrained in like media, uh, 
media critique that I'm like, well, what are the implications of them saying these things? Right. Um, and that's how my brain works. And I hope it, your brain doesn't work the same way as mine. Like it's cute and it's cheeky and it's fun. I'm not a fun person. Um, <laughs> so that's the only thing. So those are my two warnings. All right. It, but I really enjoyed the show. I literally watched all three seasons in a weekend. It's on Netflix. It's amazing. Watch the Dragon Prince. It's great. All right. Yeah. Noted. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I am maybe not the audience for this because I'm not like a big high fantasy guy. How if you had to guess, because you know I'm not a big high fantasy guy, what are the odds that like the barrier for entry for someone like me would be surmountable? Um, I think that you with your non penchant for animation um, it is fun. like I hate I hate hearing it put that way because it makes me I feel like it makes me sound like a jerk but it's kind of true like I we you and I had a conversation and there are big exceptions like I think like BoJack Horseman is one of my favorite shows right um, but I for whatever reason like I have deep like unabiding unabiding unabashed I'm gonna go with unabashed yeah because it is abiding great. it's yeah. abiding love cool. uh, no I have a lot of love and deep deep respect for animation yeah. as a, a storytelling medium. But for whatever reason, the older I'm getting, the more I find a lot of it inaccessible for some reason. And I'm not sure why that is. And I do not blame the the stories that they're telling for that. I think yeah. for whatever reason, something in my brain started like building a, a barrier to entry for some reason. And so I'm trying to... Um, I'm actively trying to yeah. interrogate that, figure out why it is so that I can break it down. Because if you're uh, if you're averse to animation, holy holy goodness gravy, are you going to be missing ha missing out ha on a ton of shit? Oh, I think I'm dying. <laughs> wow. Oh, finally. Oh no, I've ended. Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's probably because you're such a big Bible guy. And, and so every time you're like, when I was a babe, I spoke as a babe. I thought as a babe. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's like Jesus did cartoons and they killed him for it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, so I think, uh, I think that you might get... A kick out of it a bit, but I don't think it will be your your style. Like it's not so high fantasy that it's like, oh man, uh, we're gonna throw a ring into a thing and the orcs are gonna stop us. But it's it's I mean it, they're elves, um, but there are only like two main races. They're humans and different like packs of elves. Okay. So like it's not so high fantasy where you have to like memorize a bunch of different races and like a bunch of hard magic rules. Like they're there or I guess a bunch of soft magic rules cuz a lot of Lord of the Rings is soft magic, but this is more hard magic in that like a lot of the magic comes from like uh, six primary sources, so there are only those types of magic okay. with the the seventh being like dark magic which has a little bit more of a softness to it, but it requires components. And so that hardens it up a little bit. Okay. So yeah, like, like I Lord of the Rings, for example, I have nothing but deep, deep respect for both, both the source material. And I think the movies are massive technical achievements, but it but was never, it. but it was just never my thing. You know what I mean? Like I it never, it was never a universe that, that grabbed me just because like, yeah, like what you're saying, look, you call it soft magic. Like that, that isn't really my jam. Whereas I, 
I was able to, like, early on with Game of Thrones, I was able to get into Game of Thrones, which is essentially a high fantasy show. Yeah. Because that first season is basically a straight political drama with dragons. Right. You know, so, like, that made it very accessible to me. So it's it's more like, I've talked on the show a whole bunch in the past about, like, I think I have. Maybe I only thought it. But how, for me, it's never what the story is about. It's how it's about that thing. Right. So I'm always open to like, yeah, high fantasy, not necessarily my jam, but dress it up like, uh, uh, like in the case of game of Thrones, like do do the political drama version of that. Suddenly I have an in, in a right. way where like when it's immediately, we're dropping you into this world of like all of these different, uh, species that don't really exist and all these different magic rules, hard or soft. I just, it, it's very difficult. I think for me to get my bearing. Yeah. Um, especially when, the high fantasy audience is typically they're that audience real hard. You know what I mean? Mm, and so, okay. and so when I go and I, when I'm, when I'm around members of that audience, I, I then feel like I almost feel dumb because it's just like, look at how much they get this. And I just don't get this. <laughs> um, I mean, you could just, I think what you need to do is take a month and just dive in as hard as possible. Read the um, Samarillion six times. No, don't read that. Even Over even even nerd like even Lord of the Ring nerds are like, it's boring. <laughs> um, but I think all right. So if you like political drama, I think that you would really uh, be interested in how maturely they treat the politics in this show. Okay. Um, because it is like. It is um, like a bunch of monarchies kind of working together, but there's like, there's uh, basically they deal with like things of like racism and they deal with things like uh, disability. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That is also a good um, thing that they, they do with representation is there's a, a whole episode where they like really are, are like disabilities are fine. Don't get your fucking ableism out of here. Pow, pow, pow. They slap you in the face. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think that like uh, all, the way that they handle the, the p- political drama in this show is very mature. Okay. And I think you might get a kick out okay, of it. Okay, there might, then say, there might yeah. actually be an in for me. Right. Okay. So uh, yeah, give it, give it some time. Uh, or like give it a few episodes, see if you like it. Um, what are you into? Well, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. Uh, if you're listening to this show, if, if you know us first and foremost from this program missing out, maybe you know, maybe you don't, that Tari and I actually met covering CW's Arrow for AfterBuzz TV, and we did that for, for a few years. Yeah. So Crisis on Infinite Earths is sort of the, in the same way that Avengers Endgame was not of course, the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but certainly the end of the iteration of that universe that we've been following since Iron Man. It's very much that. Yeah. This is sort of the culmination of the entire CW Arrowverse up to this point. It serves as sort of the grand finale for Arrow itself. Now, uh, Arrow, I think, has two more episodes that'll air as of when this when this episode airs, they'll have two more. They will have their sort of backdoor pilot for Green Arrow and the Canaries, and then their series finale proper, which it sounds like will sort of be a, a bit of an epilogue to the story that we just got. Right. Crisis on Infinite Earths is a five-part, three parts last month, two parts this month, five-part massive crossover event between, what, five, five different shows that also uh, is the single greatest 
love letter to DC Comics that I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. And I'm not going to spoil anything that isn't widely out there. Um, mo- most of this aired three months, uh, three months. Mo- the first three parts aired a yeah. month ago. So, well, yeah. that's so we, the- we talked about the, the first three in as spoiler free context as we could. Yes. And, and so now we got the end of that. Yes. And so obviously, I mean, I would, I would say probably the single biggest potential spoiler was was out there all over the internet within seconds of it happening in the initial airing um but for for context if you don't know so crisis on infinite earths was sort of the granddaddy comic book event in 1985 which was an excuse for dc comics to streamline their super massive spread out convoluted multiverse down into sort of one continuity and of course because it's comic books in the time since it's expanded and contracted about seven eight different times but what they were able to do with this iteration of Crisis on Infinite Earths on uh, on television is they they sort of did a similar thing where they took all of their their multiple Earths that are sort of the, the prime locations of the shows that we've been following, condensed it into one continuity. But what they did, which is such a um, like genuinely a miracle to me that they were able to pull this off, is they make pretty much every single DC live action thing you have ever seen official canon as part of the multiverse. Three months ago, we got uh, cameos from Robert Wolf from uh, Batman 1989, so that's officially canon. Burt Ward from Batman 66, that's officially canon. We saw Titans from the DC Universe service. We saw uh, Birds of Prey. We saw uh, Tom Welling and Erica Durant from Smallville. Uh, We got Brandon Routh, who they've had on Legends of Tomorrow for for five years now, coming up on five years, and Arrow for for a couple years before that, uh, coming back as his Superman from Superman Returns, which is, if you were keeping track, the same Superman that Christopher Reeve played. You know, so you've got that Superman story continuing. You've got Kevin Conroy, the voice of the Dark Knight, as a live action, uh, a live action Batman that that in his general demeanor is not too dissimilar to uh, Zack Snyder's Batman, if mm. anything. And speaking of the single greatest miracle that these folks pulled off, in my opinion, and again, this was this was the thing that would have been the biggest spoiler, but again, it's been it's so out there now, it's so out there within seconds. They got Ezra Miller as the Flash from the quote-unquote Snyderverse to come in and do a cameo officially canonically tying this universe, the CW Arrowverse, with the the currently running DCEU to such an extent that Grant Gustin's Barry Allen is the one who gives Ezra Miller's Barry Allen the name The Flash. Just hadn't occurred to him before. He's like, you're, you're The Flash too. He's like, the what? Huh. You know, and so <laughs> it's all, it's all canon now. And so you and I talked about it off mic. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to get your, your general thoughts on it as well. And we talked about how it's, it's, so massive, it's big, it's unwieldy, it's definitely a little messy in places. There are, there are places where the plotting is kind of... Kind goofy? Of, kind of goofy, let's say goofy. Yeah. But, but to me, all of that, like, all of that, I, I sort of expected, like, uh, I think when they did Crisis on Earth X, which was, what, a four-part crossover? I, think I believe so, yeah. That was surprisingly, because the way they do it, each episode of, of these shows are... Um, They'll do, if they do it across four nights, right? So there'd be an Arrow episode, there'd be a Flash episode, a Supergirl episode, and a Legends of Tomorrow episode. Right. And now, of course, Batwoman's in the mix as well. So I thought Crisis on Earth X was stunningly coherent. It all felt of a piece with itself, given that each show's team is doing the 
episode, the part of the crossover that is sort of taking up their time slot for the night. So yeah. I assumed, especially when you add an additional show into the mix on top of it, and you've got five different teams going, and you're not only trying to service all of these character arcs, but also like end Arrow and also find a way to organically integrate all of these uh, DC cameos and stuff. I went in expecting it to be sort of big and unwieldy and a little bit messy. Right. So for me, I was really quickly able to compartmentalize that and just sit back and, and revel in just the, the massive amounts of, of DC love and like the, the deep cuts references to shows that have been off the air for over a decade and stuff like that. And it would ju- it just made me so happy and so excited as a, a DC fan. No exaggeration, dude. I managed to stay unspoiled regarding the Ezra Miller cameo. Mm-hmm. And and like a lot of my friends weren't so lucky because the spoilers were literally out there in oh, seconds. Yeah. But no exaggeration. I literally stood up out of my chair and went, oh shit. Because it never occurred to me that they would get to do that. Right. Because there is notoriously for a long time been this big solid divide between the DC movies and the DC TV shows. Yeah. So much so that, you know, on, on Arrow, when they were making the Suicide Squad movie, they were basically told you can't use any of these characters anymore. And that's why, spoilers for a season of television that was, what, five years ago? Uh, they had to basically off all of their characters that were in the Suicide Squad movie as well. Yeah. But now, especially with the inclusion of the Ezra Miller Flash cameo, those walls don't exist anymore. Apparently the cameo was Warner Brothers' idea. Like, they said, hey, they basically shot the whole thing. They're like, hey, might there be a spot where we can throw Ezra Miller's Flash in there? Right. Ezra Miller's been, like, chomping at the bit to play Flash again for for a couple of years. Mm. Um, Those walls don't exist. And so the possibilities now for what we could hypothetically see on screen in live action, it's, it's, it's limitless now. And I just find that so very exciting. Like, despite some unwieldy uh, and definitely some convenient plotting it just feels so they maximize their potential you know what i mean if you're going to do crisis on infinite earths they did basically everything that i can think of that if they hadn't done i'd be sitting here going man like i, I thought it was really cool oh, it would have been really cool if they had done this though mm-hmm. they did for me they did all of those things. Okay. It, it felt like such a, 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 a gift to me as a fan of DC Comics. And frankly, like, I we've been watching this universe since Arrow. You know what I mean? Since the first season of Arrow where they were clearly trying to do a dark, broody soap opera Batman knockoff. Yeah. And they were legit, they, they were like allergic to masks and capes and superpowers. It feels like such a gift, such a payoff for having kept up with this universe for eight years it yeah. really does feel like their end game in right. that sense and for me like there were a lot of big franchisey type stuff that had their their quote-unquote endings and of mm-hmm. course like end game this isn't a, a full ending of the universe but it's an ending of this iteration in my opinion of all of the big ones for my money crisis on infinite earth is the only one besides end game that really stuck that landing for yeah. me okay also Shout out to John Cryer, because when they cast John Cryer as Lex Luthor, I was like, okay, he's a good actor, but like Lenny Luthor from Superman 4, for real? Mm. And he is the most 
Lex Luthor that I've ever seen in live action. He is such a damn sinister delight to watch in these things. And I'm glad that they gave him, because it, 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 end of Supergirl season four seemed a little ambiguous as to whether they were going to be using him too much going yeah. forward. And so I love, love that they gave him a real big part yeah. in this crossover. I think I had seen in an interview, it, like in the After Crisis stuff with Kevin Smith, um, where John Cryer was saying that he was originally only slated for those four episodes he started, but they enjoyed him so much, they decided that they would bring him in more. And then at this, and, and then at a certain point, they were like, do you want to be a part of Crisis? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. I want to be in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it it all just made me so dang happy. And because I've been watching these characters for so long, and because I am so invested in their relationships, there were moments where, even when I had that thought in the back of my head, like, okay, you could have maybe hypothetically contextualized this moment a little better. I was still like, it was gut punching me, dude, like in, in certain places. Like it yeah. got me because I am so invested in this goofy bullshit. Um, and the way that they left it off, uh -huh. the, the way we have completely shifted our status quo and the things that they tease at the very end of the crossover, it has me... So I was ready, dude. I was so ready. Like, Arrow's ending and Crisis is happening. This might be my jumping off point because it's a lot of shows to keep up with. Yeah. They actually gave me a reason to stick around and keep watching these shows. Yeah. I actually plan on continuing to keep up with these shows. Yeah. And I don't know how they did that. Magic. I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> so seriously, I mean, like, kudos to that, to that entire, not just one team, that collection of teams over there because they, it, it feels like and again you know anyone who wants to can roll their eyes at like oh you love all the marvel and dc stuff and it's just such corporate garbage whatever all right fine. look i hear you i know all about the machine that produces this stuff it is not a gotcha <laughs> i really feel like much like i thought endgame was and whatever dissent as much as you want do it on someone else's twitter um much like Endgame was, Crisis on Infinite Earths to me feels like a miracle. It feels like a miracle that it was put into production in the first place, and it feels like a miracle that they followed it through and maximized the potential of that thing the way that they did. It, uh, it like, honestly, like, I don't know that I could tell people, yeah, okay, well, now, if you've never seen an episode of the Arrowverse, any of it, yeah, okay, so eight seasons worth of Arrow, five seasons worth of The Flash, well, like four seasons worth of Supergirl, uh, half a season of Batwoman, four seasons of Legends of Tomorrow, then you're ready for Crisis. I don't know if I would tell someone, you absolutely have to start it all today and stuff. Right. Because that's your whole life at that point. Yeah. Uh, but if you've been keeping up with it like we have, as long as we have, I feel like they rewarded me for that investment and I feel like that's because it was such a massive time investment I almost feel like that's the highest compliment that I can give it yeah nice um good I, I hope you all there in your homes um had a chance to check it out um it was definitely a big event lots of stuff happened um a lot of good character moments uh I especially enjoyed the legends of tomorrow episode I always guys Legends of Tomorrow is the best of these shows. It's, it, it's, look, a lot of people saw the first season, didn't love the first season, while they were still very much figuring out the kind of show they wanted to be, and I get it. But season two forward, it is consistently 
the most fun, the best paced, I think, as far as the arcs of these seasons. Yeah. Um, and the most willing to break the fourth wall, make fun of themselves, make fun of the rest of the universe. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, at this point, is the one that I would encourage people the most to to check out because the the roughs the real genuinely rough patches of that show you're basically passed after the first season right exactly um, and that's only because of time they they didn't have a they didn't have a, an actual concept when they pitched the show and then they had to just kind of scramble it together by the date that it they were obligated to fulfill but it's really fun watching the show sort of find itself yeah yeah and you get to do that and yet yeah now of course again like everyone's on the same earth you know what i mean like they all get to fight a bebo together which fuck it which rocks yeah more more bebo shit forever (laughs) um but uh yeah it it i mean they did it you know like they actually did that shit yeah so (laughs) make sure you're checking out the the dccw stuff um and go on netflix check out dragon prince seasons one through three are available bro seasons one through three could have could have ended at season three and you'd be like i'm satisfied so watch it also, watch uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then you'll be like, I'm satisfied. Get satisfied today. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, that's when you run for office. That's going to be your platform. Hell yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Jay. Get satisfied today. <laughs> uh, and tomorrow, we are going to be joined once again by our good friend, Chris James. Uh, we're going to be talking about his 2005 movie in memory of my father. He was the writer, producer, director. He was a star. Um, and it's, it was a winner of multiple, uh, film festivals. And we get a real deep dive into the making of that, of that movie, the process that he went through and, and the, the good, the bad and the ugly of just getting movies made in general. Um, so tune in for that. It's going to be a great discussion. Uh, and if you want to talk us to us between then or wish us a happy Martin Luther King Day, because that's today. It's today. Today's Martin Luther King Day. Let, t- tell us, tell us happy, happy Martin Luther King Day. You can do so at Missing Outcast, M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. Um, but you can also do so for Lex, because he's a big proponent. He's wearing a dashiki right now, um, which I tried to tell him that he shouldn't have, and it's like, like your heart's in the right feels, place, yeah, but yeah. this is so upsetting, inappropriate, and problematic. Um, but like he's he's trying, guys. So an appropriative. Um, what's the adjective of appropriation? Like the adjective form. Appropriative. Appropriate. Sounds right. It yeah. sounds right. So yeah. I'm gonna. It makes me feel good. So I'm just gonna take it. Oh, yeah. The, the word, not the the word, not the action. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> um. So, uh, talk to Lex about that. Uh, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram. I swear to God, I'm not wearing a dashiki. Um, it's uh, I'm wearing two. <laughs> uh, they're gonna they're gonna come for me. I'm gonna be canceled for things I I, I didn't do. Uh, uh, but but if you want to cancel me for things I may have done, please don't. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at at the Lex Michael. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter, also wearing two dashikis <laughs> at Tari J. He took T-A-R-I. mine and I is did. wearing both. Of them. Yeah, as he was saying where you could find him, I just pulled them off and put them on, and I was like, "I'll take that cancellation." <laughs> and I was like, it, "See, wasn't even mine." <laughs> um, these are the bullets I take for you. Uh, but yeah, 
Atari J, regular place. Uh, and make sure to join us tomorrow. It's going to be so fun. Also, let us know what you're into. You know where to do it on our Twitter. And also, you can leave a comment and, you know, on our... <laughs> you can leave a comment on our iTunes. Um, this, is, this is Jerry Seinfeld. Saying, is that your Seinfeld? Yep. That's <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld saying, yeah, you listen to Mr. Go. That's it. Uh, I'm Jerry Seinfeld, and I love Martin Luther King. Day. Bye.